Hello and welcome to Eat, Race, Shower, Repeat. I'm Laura Winter, sports broadcaster, podcaster and cycling presenter. And I am Paul Foss, former professional cyclist for Bora Hansgrohe. This podcast will take you behind the scenes of one of the most successful World Tour cycling teams of them all, Bora Hansgrohe. We follow them as they take on the most emotionally and physically challenging bike races of them all, the Tour de France. Yes, we are working with team title sponsor Hansgrohe, one of the world's largest and most respected bathroom suppliers and manufacturers, featuring beautifully designed taps and showers of the highest quality, benefiting from the finest in German engineering. For four years now, Hansgrohe has been at the team side as a reliable partner and together we will bring you exclusive insight from the team. The riders, the mechanics, the sports directors, the coaches and more for a unique look at the most beautiful sport in the world. Well, the Tour de France is now underway. Cycling's premier race has begun with the Grand Depart in Nice before immediately heading up the Col de Torini. We are in the midst of the first week with all the drama and emotions that brings. And this episode, we want to look at the pressure the riders feel ahead of a huge stage race like this. We will hear from Peter Sagan and Emmanuel Buchmann as the two leaders of the team on what it means to be starting another Tour de France, shouldering the pressure of leading Bora Hansgrohe. Sports director Enrico Poitschke talks about the important stages to come in the pursuit of the yellow and the green jersey. We'll speak to Felix Groschartner as well about what it means to start his first Tour de France. And we speak to team manager Ralph Denk about his emotions at the start line of another Tour de France. Let's listen to Ralph now talking about how much this race means to him and to the team. For sure, I'm proud of what we achieved already, but I'm still hungry for more success and I'm still motivated. And the biggest victory what you can achieve in professional cycling is to win the Tour de France. That is our biggest event. And I think we are not the biggest contender for this year, but the next year's uh, maybe could be a goal to achieve the highest success in ProCycle. So Ralph there being honest that this year may not be their best chance, but they know how important the race is in the grand scheme of cycling. Paul, you have raced seven Grand Tours, including three Tour de France. What are the feelings, the emotions on the eve of such a huge race? It's different. Um, it's depending how many Grand Tours you have done and which one it is. I mean, my first Grand Tour was the Vuelta España, back in 2009 and yeah I was really really nervous I mean I was 22 years old first season as a professional and then straight away doing uh, such a big race and yeah I mean then going from there to my first tour I felt again like a neo pro you know as I mentioned in the other episodes that my first tour was back then in the UK and like I had a, a special relationship with the UK racing over there and knowing a lot of people and then doing my first tour there was quite nice and I felt young again and uh, <laughs> overwhelmed a bit with like what to expect and uh, what will come but yeah it's every Grand Tour is like special because you you're leaving home for quite a while the whole preparation takes a long time and yeah it's different but then also like the tour is different to the Giro or the world uh, you know the tour is the most stressful of all of them and uh, the world is quite relaxed and the, the Giro has like this move of 
these epic stages, sometimes really bad weather conditions. So like every Grand Tour has a special moments and identifications. Why do you think the tour is is more stressful than the rest? Is it because of, of the iconic nature of the race and the amount of media coverage and the amount of hype around the race? I think mainly it's the media coverage and that brings the hype and that brings the importance of the race. So if you will have the same yeah, media attention at the Giro or the Vuelta, the race will be also really nervous and tough But because the Tour is the most important race, as Ralph mentioned, it's the biggest race out there for cyclists and everyone wants to be at his best shape. So it's not always the course who is harder than the World or the Giro. It's just like that everyone is on 100% form and everyone wants to do, wants to give his best. Every team has a certain goal and the fight is just much, much bigger. Any pro rider will think, I want to race or I want to win a Tour de France, it's kind of the pinnacle, isn't it? It's the biggest race in all of cycling. Yeah, definitely. It's As a German, when someone is asking you, what's your job when you say you're a professional cyclist? And then the second question usually is like, have you done the Tour? And if you can't say you have done it, then it feels like you're not a proper professional cyclist, you know, which is weird. But as soon as I have been selected for the Tour, I got much more media attention, uh, much more interview requests. And then finishing the tour you you suddenly on like for like a, the normal people out there on like on like the olymp of cycling you know you have finished the most mythical race out there and it, it's such a big hype and history around this race and that's why it's so important for everyone yeah it's it is it's the legend it's the history i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it like i just i love the tour de france as a very amateur bike rider watching it let alone to be actually a bike racer striving to race there it must be incredible i think the media hype will be as big as ever this year because of the very different circumstances we've had in the build-up after the coronavirus pandemic and of course it's been a limited build-up into it a lot of racing altogether not much time to find that race form that we're used to sort of the riders having months and months to get uh how do you think all of that will change things i mean you can see already now uh the races uh, in the last weeks like Dauphiné and all the classics that some guys are really really fit and above their level which had that before which they had before and some guys are not coping so well with the intense shortened season so I don't know what to expect we have now more teams who are competing for the for the win you know it's not just like Ineos in recent years It's now like much more Jumbo Visma than Boransgro is fighting for the podium. It, it's definitely a different race and also on the green jersey, you know, like you have much more riders competing for it now and have a realistic chance. So I'm quite excited and I'm really looking forward how the racing will change because of the corona pandemic, you know, like what is really the impact over three weeks now? You just have seen like a week-long stage race where you can't really say, um, okay, good, it, it had a big impact, but Over three weeks, you will definitely see it. Uh, who has done a lot of good work and the lockdown and who hasn't. Uh. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a very unpredictable tour. Probably the most unpredictable in recent years as well. You mentioned the green jersey. We have heard from some of the Bora Hansgrohe riders. Here is Peter Sagan talking about what the tour means to him, what it's like to race for the green jersey and how lockdown has affected his preparation. Well, when I participated first time Tour de France in my life, I uh, directly won green jersey, and after I continue like that for uh, another seven times, 
And uh, well, I think it's already some responsibility for me when I going for tour. Then uh, my big goal is always green jersey. Then uh, we will see how many could I achieve in my career more. But this year is gonna be a little bit different because it's without the uh, spectators. But we are still happy that we can do Tour de France, and uh, I hope it's uh, gonna go well. Uh, I absolutely love that. That's just Peter Sagan at his finest, isn't it? Peak Peter Sagan. Yeah, I mean, he has a good chance to win it again. He's the most versatile rider out there in this area. Maybe Wout van Aert would have a chance, but I think they're going all in for the win, so he might not have the freedom as Peter Sagan to go for the jersey. So I think he has a bit more competition, but I do believe that he will he will win it the eighth time, yeah. Because, he, you know, he, he can get points in the mountains, in the sprint stages, just everywhere, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll be looking to do that once again. What do you make of Caleb Ewan as a, a rival for the green jersey as well for Peter? Yeah, I mean, in the sprint stages, he is probably stronger than Zagan, or he is stronger than Zagan. But as I mentioned, not in the mountains, you know, not in the semi-tough stages where you have like two or three uh, smaller hills. I think there you can drop Caleb Ewan quite easily. And Peter Zagan is... You know, he's not just sprinting in a bunch, but he's also going for breakaways. And I don't see Caleb Ewan doing it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And we may see Peter Sagan making history, getting that eighth jersey. The other leader for Bora Hansgrohe is Emmanuel Buchmann, who is racing for the yellow jersey, or in other words, racing to win the three-week stage race, or at least step onto the podium after fourth last year. He did crash at the Dauphiné, but we spoke to him about the most mountainous tour ever and his form. Yeah, it's the most mountainous tour ever. And yeah, it's a really good course for me. It's a hard course and I train a lot in the lockdown and also afterwards. And I feel really good in shape also for the long mountains in the Dauphiné. I feel great and I hope to be in the best shape in the tour. Paul, he doesn't give too much away, does he, Buchmann? He's a closed book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, I, I mean, I told you before that like his interviews are quite short and not much emotions in there. And it's also in German the same. So it's not just in English, but also in German. His uh, interviews are quite one tone and yeah, he doesn't give much away, but he's calm, relaxed, and he knows that he has done a lot of good work in the lockdown time. And I think mentally and physically he's ready. And it's now just about like how the other team's playing it and how the crash is affecting the team. You know, I mean, he might lose Maximilian Schachmann. And yeah, Gregor Mühlberg is also really important domestique. So we have to see how that is affecting him. Because last year, his weak point was the team a bit, you know. He didn't pick off support, you know, in the really tough mountain stages. So he definitely needs needs the team around him. And we will see how that is affecting it. And this, of course, is the most mountainous tour. And we have a very, very early mountain stage as well with the Col de Torini in this first week too. So they were straight up to the climbing. What's interesting to me as a mere mortal and not a bike rider, but not a bike racer, is that both Peter and Emmanuel seem very relaxed and there's not well, there seemingly isn't pressure on their shoulders. Is, is that re reminiscent of both of their characters as well? They, they don't feel pressure, they just feel motivation? I mean, for Peter, he's so experienced now. He has won the jersey or the green jersey seven times. It will be his ninth tour, so I don't think he sees any point in like being nervous or being too stressed about it. And for Emmanuel, it's, he's just generally like a really relaxed guy. You know, I mean, you, you can see it on his like quotes, 
they're really short. He doesn't give much away, no emotions, and that's just how he is, you know. I, I don't think he really reads the news, at least the cycling news, what, what are talking about him, what his chances might be. So he just does his thing and he believes in his team and in his coaches and he knows he's ready. So, And I think when you know you're ready, you're relaxed because, you know, you have done your job and now it's just up to the other teams as well to do their race and either place out for him or not. Well, he may not be looking outwards, but we will. His rivals for the GC, the general classification, are very much defending champion Egan Bernal and then Primoz Roglic, who was flying in the Dauphiné. Yeah, I mean, the whole team, uh, Jumbo Visma, is unbelievably strong. I think it's the first team in like five to six, seven years who has a chance to uh, yeah, to break in Ineos. And I don't know if Egan Bernal is getting right in time, you know, in shape. I really see Roglic as like the big favorite and uh, even like, especially with the team he has with like Robert Gesing, Kurs Reich, Tom Dumoulin, you know, then he has like a domestic like Baul van Aert who did like a massive job in the mountains in the Dauphiné. So for me, they they just can lose, you know. They have nothing to win except the Tour. But for me, they're the big favorites and I think Emo is like, he just has to do the right moves and let the big boys play. And then I see a realistic chance for him to be on a podium. Yeah. While Sagan is about to race his ninth Tour de France, as Paul said, for one rider, this is his very first tour. But that isn't daunting for young Austrian rider Felix Grossschartner. Yeah, my first ever Tour de France. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I think also it's the biggest race and... I started cycling uh, and uh, the first race I have watched was the Tour de France, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, he sounds very relaxed, doesn't he? And and excited as well. Can you remember your first your first Tour de France and, and those emotions you had? Yeah, I can. And I wasn't that relaxed. But I think like, you know, they created now an atmosphere in the team uh, where they tried to keep it as calm as possible and they have a lot of experience in there. Back then, it was for the world team the first tour, and we were nervous. You know, like we had our own ambitions, and back then we had like Leopold Koenig going for the GC. Even though we said, "Okay, we will see how it turns out," but yeah, of course, we we aimed for top ten, which we achieved. So I was nervous. I guess Felix is nervous as well, but yeah, he he tries to keep it as calm as possible. I guess and. Did you have any superstitions or good luck charms at all? Or did you know of any riders within your team who did? Is, is that something that riders do? Or is it kind of putting too much emphasis on outside influence when actually all you can control is what you can control? I don't really have it. But, you know, sometimes I have like these ticks. They're just coming up and I have to do it always the same way, like a certain thing. I don't know. Like I, I know even now, you know, I sometimes I have like, oh, I have to do it this way and this way. If I don't do it this way, it won't be successful. So... Yeah, but I don't have like a special thing going on. And I know some writers have it. And especially with like the whole thing with the salt, you know, like like these, especially South, South Europeans, they really believe in like when you're putting salt on the table, you know, you have to put it on the table. You can't give it directly to someone in their hand because it has to touch the table and then someone can take it. And if you don't do that, you have to throw salt behind your back, I think, or even when the salt like falling, you know, onto onto the table. It's bad luck. Yeah, if you spill salt, yeah. That's quite common in cycling. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah, it's a big thing. <laughs> At the dinner table, you're all like, put the salt on the table. Yeah, I'm, I'm always, I always took the piss out of the guys who, who believed in that. And um, 
Yeah, so far I didn't have bad luck. <laughs> well, Lucas Postelberger does bring something special to a grand tour. Let's hear from him. I'm going to take uh, got a present from my wife a few months ago. It's a small kind of Pictionary, and it's pictures from me and my son and my wife, and I will take that to keep them close to me and close to my memories. And, of course, it's going to bring me luck and remind me of the most important things in the world. There we go. So some riders do have superstitions. We also need to think about riders who may have a nightmare start. I saw the 2015 Stage 3 Tour de France just a few days ago, watched a repeat of it, and there was a huge crash just the third day in. We see things happen all the time in the first three, four days of the Tour de France. As a rider, how do you recover mentally, Paul, from that from a nightmare start, from from potentially a crash or losing a huge chunk of time. How do you mentally and physically recover in time for the third week, the third decisive week? Yeah, it's always depending what's your job in the race and what's your goals for the race and how the crash, uh, how much of an impact the crash really was. So I think it's hard to say, okay, that and that it's impacting you. But yeah, for sure, like uh, when you crash in the first three days and you lose some skin, yeah, most certainly that's harming your chances of like an early success because the level is so high and and you don't need you know those kinds of crashes and um, yeah, I, I think it's hard to say really how how much is impacting you but it definitely impacts you i mean you have seen like in other races when like leaders crashed early on they never get their food right you know like so f- from that point on that they're really trying to do everything perfect but then maybe they're crashing a second time or they're losing time in like stupid situations you know so i think it really depends on like what's your job in the race and what's your goal yeah, mechanicals or getting stuck behind your team car or having to wait for your team car because they've gone to the toilet, if we remember from last year. Like anything can happen in cycling. It is absolutely mad, isn't it? And every little bit has to be perfect. It's not just the riders who are feeling the pressure. The sports directors, the team personnel will be as well. The mechanics, the soigneurs, getting the bikes, getting the feeding right. And of course, the sports directors getting the strategy right and making sure they're in exactly the right place they need to be in the convoy for their riders should anything happen. Enrico Poichka is the Bora Hansgrohe sports director. He will be in that team car behind the peloton. He knows just how important this first week is proving to be, as he explained when he discussed the strategy for the 2020 Tour de France. I think you have to be ready from the first stages. Already the start in Nice is difficult. The second stage, very strong, so early was never happened that we have a stage like that in the tour and you have to be ready from the first week and also the time trial the second last day is a key to finish on the podium and all the mountain stages you have to be ready you you can't have a bad day then i think it's over to go on the podium when you have a bad day and uh, from that side it's all the stages what finish in the mountains it's very important and uh, then it's also up how's the situation on the flat stages especially on the coast with the wind last year we saw it a lot of gc riders lose a lot of time in the flat stage on the crosswind sector and from that side you have to be ready three weeks every stage and only then when you can do that you are able to finish on the podium Peter feeling good and it's also for him not easy with so less races to start uh, in the Tour de France but he 
can train very well. He was in altitude camps and now also his preparation for the tour works in the moment perfect. We are on the good way. And from that side, we are very optimistic that Peter can again fight for the green jersey and can win a stage. There you never can have a day that you don't try to catch points. And that was what Peter showed in the last years. He was able nearly in, in every stage to catch some points. And especially in the sprints, every time can something happen and uh, you can involved in a crash or uh, especially on the on the very flat stages where you can catch a lot of points that uh, it don't work how we think or how we hope. And from that side, we will try to catch in all the stages points in the sprints between and also in the final. And from that side, it's not really a key stage in every stage. You have to be ready. I hope uh, all works well. And important is that all the riders do his job so perfect as possible, especially the helpers. And only then the captains can win races or uh, can do some good results. And that the team works perfect together. That's our job. So there we go. They cannot afford to let up on one single day of this tour. Paul, in a similar vein as well, you've been speaking to the team mechanics, haven't you? Yeah, I spoke to, to Gerd. He's the head mechanic and uh, is dealing with the sponsors. And let's see what he had to say. Basically, the preparation for the tour is always like a one big process over the years. It's not like that we take one short part and preparation only for the tour. It's long, long focus for all the team, the preparation for the tour. The material, what to choose. It's coming for sure for sponsors, but for sure that's why we work together so much during the whole year to get the products good. And now, if you if you now ask that uh, what bike we use on the different stages, is actually when we had a lot of years like two different bikes, like for climbing one bike and for the flat stages like the aero bike. Then now actually specialized managed to put these two bikes together. So we have light as a climbing bike and aero as the aero bike. So we have only one bike now. So it's uh, make our job much easier to now decide because we race with only one bike. Mainly we have the decision made beforehand already. We decide to analyze the profile of the race, of the stage, and also the role of the rider. If we have to pull first 100 KMs, then we for sure go like aero setup like higher wheels and this kind of stuff. And if rider have to go last mountain top finish, then we go light as possible yeah? because the aero gain is so small. But of course, uh, we like uh, keep the doors always open for riders also what he prefer. And we speak and the final decision come uh, before the stage with the rider and DS. They decide the next day stage equipment. If you ask what wheels and this, then also the gears are really important. And that's more like to rider decide what gear he'll go next day. It's more personality. There is only one point in like this year to the front when it's for sure like last year Giro when it's TT and it's also flat in the beginning, then small climb, then downhill, and then it's come climbing, climbing again. For sure, there will be a different uh, things there. A lot of guys will change the bike on the last time and a lot of bike guys don't change. That's that's going to be interesting to see. I think we know what we're going to do. For some guys, it's not really important, but it's important for the GC 
guys. And it depends also how much rider is before training with the TT bike. But as the TT bike is now so light, so it's basically only 500 grams different, then we have no really point to change the bike again. Because in changing the bike, you can lose a really lot of time when something goes wrong. The gain of the, it depends how heavy is your TT bike in the end. So the pressure of going into a Grand Tour can be felt from riders to team directors to mechanics. Everyone is a part of this. It's a true true team effort, isn't it, in cycling? Yeah, definitely. And uh, especially as Gerd said, I mean, the, the preparation starts early on and they have to decide what equipment to use on which stage. They have to make a plan. And um, the same does the uh, sports director. You know, they're looking at the certain stages having for every day the master plan, how we're going to do it, you know, and they're like, you, you need like a plan B, C and D. Yeah, what are we doing when, when this is happening, when this is happening? So it's not just riding a bike, it's much more complicated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Paul. That's it for this episode. The Tour de France is officially underway. We are wishing all the riders the very best on the road to the finale in Paris in just under three weeks. Big thank you to Peter Sagan, Emmanuel Buchmann and Felix Groschartner for sharing their thoughts and to Ralph Denk and Enrico Puchka for their insights as well. And thanks to Gerd for sharing his thoughts at the start of this year. Race. And a big thank you to you all for listening to. Please follow the team at the Tour de France on social media at Bora Hansgrohe on Twitter and keep up to date on the Hansgrohe channels at Hansgrohe as well. You can find me online too at PaulFoss86. And I'm on at Laura C. Winter. If you've got a question, please get in touch with us and send them in. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of Eat, Race, Shower, Repeat. And leave a review as well if you like what you're hearing. Next episode, we will be talking about the most challenging sections of the race, most notably the mountain climbs and asking the riders how they deal with the exhaustions and the altitude to give their team the right edge. Plus, we'll look at the decisive climbs in this, the most mountainous Tour de France ever. We'll see you then. Enjoy the racing in the meantime. Bye for now.